Girlfriends, episode number 14, Survival Tips for Busy Days. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How's your week going? How are you? How have you been? I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you've shown up for another episode of Girlfriends. I'm happy to have you here with me today. Um, This week, we're talking about survival tips for busy days. And for me, this is inspired by the onset of the baseball season. I don't know if you guys have kids who play baseball, who participate in uh, various leagues, but this is something going way back that we beans have always done, always engaged in for eight weeks at least. Sometimes it goes 10, 12, sometimes it really pushes. Sometimes we do summer ball, fall ball, but during the spring, definitely Um, All five of my boys have always participated in spring sports, baseball in particular. They've all really enjoyed baseball. And we love baseball. I mean, I love baseball. I love that it's a traditional sport. My boys are um, decent at it. So it's fun to watch them play. And they just really enjoy that time with their dad, with each other. They're constantly practicing. So I really do love and value baseball. But it's crazy. I mean, the schedule... This time of year, when you have multiple kids on multiple teams in multiple leagues in multiple towns, it's crazy. So this is a very busy time of year for me, and we're just getting started. I'm like, here we go. Every year I have that same feeling as we're stepping into it, stepping into the crazy. And, you know, our everyday lives around here are busy enough, and we're doing plenty of rides and that sort of thing. You know, it's just everyday life in a busy household with multiple people in it. But during the baseball season, it gets especially crazy. And I find I have to be super organized about it, certainly organized about our schedule. Um, And I I think different sports vary in um, the degree to which people are nuts about them. I think every sport has its fanatics and um, different leagues can be different in their levels of intensity and how much time commitment they require from families. But around here, definitely baseball is a big deal. And when you start to engage in it, I remember years ago when uh, my oldest son, Eamon, very first was ever on a baseball team. He played t-ball, which was, you know, I think it was like once or twice a week, which was a minimal commitment. And people weren't nuts yet. (laughs) But then when he moved up to baseball that first year that he actually played real baseball, I couldn't believe how crazy people were, that they let it be such a large part of their lives. It was a real eye-opening experience for me because, you know, growing up, uh, I had brothers who played baseball. I played softball a little bit. And I just don't remember that level of intensity about the sports. And I think maybe our our culture is a little off here, you know. Um, Back then, I remembered um, that Eamon had a particularly competitive coach. And He had practices. He scheduled practices for three nights out of the week and then two days, one weekday. And then on Saturdays, they had games. So this was like one day that we didn't have baseball during the entire week. It just felt so intense for me for such a little kid. 
that I was really kind of hesitating, like, do we really want to do this? Is this crazy? I mean, Eamon definitely enjoyed it. And my husband, Dan, really enjoyed participating in it with him. So we wound up, we wound up thinking it was, you know, an, a reasonable thing for us to do. But I remember the coach calling up one night, um, scheduling, you know, the various practices for the next week, letting me know the days and times and places and whatnot. And he apologized to me for not having practiced that one day. <laughs> For giving us that one day off, he apologized saying, I really, I just couldn't get a field time or whatever his excuse was. I was like, oh, you know, that's okay. <laughs> we'll take the day off. Um, but at that point, I was like, who are these people? These people really are nuts. That They're just crazy. And um, another time that first season when we were really s- stepping into the baseball scene, I remember there was a game that just was endless. And, you know, if you have kids who play um, baseball, you know how endless it can be, how there can just be, you know, especially if a kid is pitching, oh my gosh, the number of balls and walks and it just goes on and on and on. And this was a game that went well past like when it was dark and it was starting to like do this cold, misty rain. And then that uh, stopped and then there were just swarms of mosquitoes. And everybody, I thought, was miserable, just miserable sitting out there through this game and just waiting for it to be done. And it ended in a tie. And I was like, okay, great. Now nobody needs to be upset. And I'm packing up our stuff. And the coaches announced they were going to play extra innings. (laughs) I thought I would die. I was like, what is wrong with these people? They're insane. They're nuts. And so that was like a real learning experience for me. Uh, That was many years ago. And I've experienced all levels of crazy with regard to kids sports since then. I now accept that level of crazy about baseball, but it doesn't make those busy days any easier. But it does sort of relieve the stress a little bit if you see it stepping into it and you're consciously making that choice. So that's the first thing that I want to recommend to people in survival tips for busy days is step into it consciously. Decide if it's worth it, first of all. You know, if it's a situation you can control, I mean, we all have busy times maybe with work or uh, family obligations or whatever it is that we can't help, that are just kind of, we have to get through this time and it's just going to be extra busy. But then there are things that we're committed to that are our own choices. And if you're coming into an especially busy season, like I told you, we consciously accept the busy season of baseball. It may not be worth it to your family, or maybe some different thing is worth it. So I really, I just, I would encourage you to, um, when you're beginning a busy time, when you're looking, or all of a sudden you find yourself in an extra busy time, maybe step back a little bit. Think about it. Make a conscious choice about it. Talk with your kids. Talk with your husband about it. Decide if it's worth it to your family. What do you? What do you? What benefits are you reaping from this busyness? And do you have the power to change it if you want to? So the first tip I have, survival tip. It's an easy one. Lower your standards. Just do that. Okay. Stop thinking you have to keep all the same standards of housekeeping or childcare or meal making or whatever it is for when you're extra busy, when you've got extra commitments. I mean, something has to give, right? I mean, you can't say I'm going to, I'm going to still get all the laundry done. We're still going to have all these home cooked meals at exactly 6 p.m. every evening. And um, you know, the house is going to be spotless and I'm still going to do this volunteer work and whatever it is, if you're, if you're shifting in your responsibilities and in your priorities, even if it's just for a certain season or a set amount of time, or maybe it's for an unknown amount of time, if, if life is requiring this of you and you're making that conscious choice to accept it, then 
lower your standards somewhere else, somewhere else, because you're going to make yourself nuts trying to keep up with everything else that you've got going on in your life, trying to keep up your same commitments to other outside activities or keep up your same standards for housework or whatnot. Um, that it's important to to recognize, I, you know, uh, going back to the baseball thing during baseball season, I do keep up with laundry because that's one thing that will drive me nuts. And I mean, I'm not always perfect about being perfectly on top of the laundry, but when I'm not, it drives me nuts. It makes me crazy. And it makes the rest of my house feel like it's falling apart. It's just one of those things for me that uh, I do make that a priority and try to stay on top of that. Even if you have to ask, you know, extra people to pitch in to keep on top of those things. That's my second one. We're going to ask for help in a minute. But just lowering your standards for, you know, if you are really great about meal planning and meal prep and you have homemade dinner on the table every night at six, you may not be able to keep that up during a busy time. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. It, you know, during baseball season, we usually have what my kids like to call snack dinner on busy nights. I try to make sure that they're still getting basic levels of nutrition. Um, but we'll, we'll often have, you know, sandwiches. That's fine. Uh, cereal is fine. Breakfast for dinner is fine where somebody might make pancakes. Um, or stuff that you're going to have on the go. If you don't want to be doing the fast food thing, because it's real easy to fall into that if you're if you're busy, like, well, we'll just pick up something or get takeout pizza or hit a McDonald's drive through or something. But I don't like it when we get into those habits. So I try to avoid it by doing things like, um, you know, shopping at least a couple of times a week and making sure we have grab and go kinds of foods that are that are healthy, maybe crackers and cheese, maybe granola bars, uh, maybe different kinds of snack mix. Um, things are, you know, yogurts are easy to take on the go. Yeah, we get sick of those kinds of convenient on the go foods um, by the end of the baseball season. But that's okay. It's for a season. It's for a time. And it's not forever. And you're just kind of lowering your standards about what dinner has to look like. Because you know what, it doesn't have to. Everybody's fed. Everybody has reasonably balanced nutrition in their bodies. You're doing okay. So it's okay to lower those standards with regard to what you're making for for dinners. Or another one, and this is tough to do for me in the springtime, is skipping baths. I, you know, I used to be really just crazy about bath time at the end of the day, showers and baths. And it's okay sometimes if a kid who hasn't been out sitting in a mud puddle just, you know, cleans up just a little bit and doesn't have to do the whole bath scene at the end of the day. You know, you can you can make those kinds of you can make those kinds of judgments yourself and and decide for yourself, you know, what you can cut out of your schedule. What it's okay and reasonable to lower your standards about whether it's for an extended period of time, whether you know the end going in, you know, if it's a particular sports season or whatever other commitment it is that you know is coming to an end, that that can make it a little easier, but that that idea of just Figure out what what your standards are that are going to be a little too high for right now, and it's okay to shift them. Give yourself a break. So I, I mentioned asking for help. Um, you have to during busy times. I think that this is one of the ways that um, God really knocks me down a peg, because when I start feeling like I'm on top of the world and I can do everything and I'm doing all the things and I'm... Uh, sometimes it all just comes crashing around me and I find myself feeling very humbled and something, you know, some things are falling apart in my life. I'll never forget one very busy season. It was, mm, I don't know, probably four or five years ago now. There was a summer where, uh, because my husband was a teacher at the time, he wasn't working in the summer and I scheduled a ton of work stuff for that summer. 
you know, stuff I had to travel for work, uh, different speaking engagements, different kinds of commitments like that. I think I was promoting a book. And so I scheduled a ton through the summer months and kind of went into that naively, like, oh, it's all going to work out great because Dan's home, you know. And by the end of those like six weeks or whatever, where I was doing so much more outside of the home, I came back and I remembered after that last trip, you know, things were not good in my house. Things were not good in my marriage. And personally, for me, emotionally, physically, even spiritually, I was a mess. And that was something that I was, you know, I kind of went into thinking, oh, it's going to be a breeze. But I, I hadn't asked for help. And I really did need to ask for help. You know, if if there are certain things that you usually do, and you're not able to do them, um, you do have to ask for help. You have to ask your husband sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you share responsibilities. These are, these are both of your kids. But if there's something you usually, you usually do, don't expect your husband to read your mind and, and know that you need extra help with whatever it is at this particularly busy time. Communicate about it. Communicate about what your priorities are and how you want to still get them done. And so, you know, there's there's lots of different ways that you can ask for help and different people you can ask for help from. You might have teenagers who drive in your home. I have those magical creatures and we do make use of them. Sometimes there's a balance there, you know, because they have their own work commitments, their own school commitments. And um, sometimes it's tricky and you have to ask them to sacrifice. You know, maybe they'd rather be out with friends, but their little brother needs to get picked up from baseball. And so, you know, we have those kinds of communications and those kind of sacrifices are sometimes made. And that's okay. That's part of family life. And um, another thing is you might have grandparents or other relatives that live around you that you hesitate to ask for help from. And now I know I did this. Um, My father-in-law is a wonderfully generous man and he lives about 40 minutes from us. Our kids are his only grandkids and he loves them like crazy. Um, but I always have that kind of hesitation about asking him for help because first of all, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't share our faith and, you know, he has two sons and I think he's always just thought we're a little bit over the edge crazy with all these kids and I don't want to make him feel like we're burdening him. And that's all in my own head. He's never said anything to me like that at all. And I realized a few years ago, especially during the baseball season, that, um, I was hesitating to ask him for that reason. And you know what? That was dumb. It wasn't even fair to him because what I realized was, you know, not excessively, but when I did ask him for that extra help with rides, um, he actually enjoyed it, I think. He stayed and watched the kids practice or he watched the game or he'd show up early and watch the end of the game and then give the kid a ride home afterwards. And he had that opportunity to visit with his grandkids, that excuse, because he's not the kind of guy, you know, he's a widower and he's a more introverted person. He's not the kind of guy that's just going to call up and show up and hang around with us, you know. If there's a reason for it, he'll do it and he'll show up and he'll be there. So I found that actually was enormously helpful to me the times when I've asked him to pitch in and he's always been willing whenever he's able to. And But also I found, I think, he actually liked it a lot of the time and it would give him an excuse to talk with us, to be with us, to come by the house, maybe stay for dinner, maybe just stay and chat for a while, communicate with his other grandkids. That, you know, it really turned out to be a gift in that way as well. And I mean, I think, you know, today's world is so crazy that we're all so isolated. Many of us are so isolated from extended family. It didn't used to be that way. People used to regularly have larger families. And it worked because everybody was pitching in. They had, you know, it may not take a village to raise a child, but it takes an extended family a lot of the times. It takes a lot of people. It takes many hands. So it's important to ask for that help. 
And sometimes it feels humbling. Like you want to pretend you've got it all together and you can do it and you can handle this number of kids that you've decided to have and whatever it is. But that's stupid. You know, everybody needs help sometimes. So ask for the help that you need from the different people. You know, maybe one of your kids' uh, friends' parents are able to help out. And, you know, it's okay to ask for that help, especially when it comes to rides. I find that rides are so hard. And it's hard when you've got multiple rides in multiple directions in multiple different towns. And, you know, that can happen with whatever number of kids you have. It's it's just hard to do all those things. So, you know, especially during a busy time, ask for the help that you need, even in your own household. Ask your kids to pitch in, ask them to fold a load of laundry or, you know, load the dishwasher or whatever it is. I find that I try to, especially during busy times, think of chores that I want the kids to do. We're not right now regularly, you know, don't have a chore chart or anything. There's certain things that certain kids are responsible for, but it's not really organized the way um, it has been at different times in the past. But I will, before I leave the house, if there are kids who are just going to be hanging around the house while I'm running around doing different errands or driving different kids places... I I take note of who's in the house and yeah, they are capable of accomplishing something during my absence because oftentimes that's the price you're paying for whatever activity it is that you're engaged in, that you're not present in the home getting those regular things done. And so finding a way to cover that during your absence, uh, absolutely legitimate and you need to ask for that help. And then the final survival tip I want to give for during busy times and really, I mean, it's important we do call this survival tips, I think, because sometimes it really feels that way. And it's important to talk about it in a realistic way, um, which is why at the, at the beginning I said, assess, is it worth it to you? Um, can you change it? Are there parts of it that you can change? Are there parts of your commitment that aren't any longer worth to, worth it to you and your family that they're costing you too much and you're not benefiting from them? So, But once you've you've made that assessment and you decide it is worth it, part of your survival is taking care of yourself. One of the first things that always goes out the door for me is time for exercise. And that drives me crazy because I need that, especially when you're stressed, you need that release in your life. So if if you're doing that, I, I really would encourage you to, even if it means lowering your standards more or asking for more help to, to recognize that as a non-negotiable. It doesn't have to mean that you have an hour every day to yourself to, you know, engage in your, your deep yoga session, but being able to go out and go out for a 20 minute run or take a walk or, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy doing that you're able to do to be physically active. It's really important, especially during busy times to make the time for that. Or the other thing that goes out the window, proper nutrition for yourself. (laughs) I know I do this. I'll like starve myself while I'm driving people everywhere, come home and just eat whatever garbage is right there in front of me in, you know, endless amounts. And, that's terrible. Or just surviving on cups of coffee and Diet Coke. And it's, you know, that adds to your stress level. It adds to your feeling of of depletion and feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. Or sleep, you know, not making the time for sleep that if you're not lowering your standards, like we already talked about, if you're not asking for help, then you're, you're taking the time out of your own time for sleep, whether it's getting up earlier or staying up later to get all those things done that you're not willing to let go of. It's important to take that time for your own rest. And, you know, one way that I do this, and it does mean changing my standards sometimes, like just the other day, I had an especially busy day, I had an, a, a number of different things that I was doing before I was going out of town. And I was just so tired. And while I was driving my daughter home from school, all I could think was, I want to lie down and take a nap, but then dinner's going to be late. 
And that, that was all I could think. But then dinner's going to be late. And by late, I mean like 7, 7.30, if, if I spent half an hour resting. And I did make the decision to just do that. And I told the kids, and they didn't care. They were engaged in their own activities at home. And I said, if anybody's dying or starving to death, have a bowl of cereal, have a bagel, whatever. But I'm going to lie down for 30 minutes, and then I'll make dinner. And that means it's going to be late. You know, just communicate about those things. And, you know, whatever it is, decide if you can lower your standards to make sure that you're getting that rest because it makes all the difference. And also part of taking care of yourself is taking care of your relationships. Now, this means, you know, especially your marriage during busy times, so hard sometimes. We take each other for granted and you focus on what what the kids need and getting the stuff done for the kids and sacrificing yourself. And part of sacrificing yourself is sacrificing your relationship with your husband. And that's so sad to me because I know I've experienced it. I told you, you know, a few years back where I just felt like my marriage was a mess because I had been ignoring it during all of that stressful time that we'd been through. And this is something that I've recognized. It's taken us forever to figure this out in our own marriage. But, um, you know, just the idea that when I go away, when I have to be away, and I do, I mean, I travel more now for my work than I ever have. And that said, I don't travel a ton. I don't have to be away a lot, especially for someone who's working full time. I'm really grateful and blessed to be able to do the large part of it from my home and not have to leave home. But I do have to travel. I have to travel to an office in Worcester, which is about two and a half hours from here, um, regularly, fairly regularly, not every week, but fairly regularly. I have to travel for speaking engagements. I, you know, I just was in San Diego um, this past week for a conference there that was related to my work as publisher with Bayard, which is a publisher of Today's Catholic Teacher. Where, and so, you know, there, there are those kinds of commitments that I have where I need to be on a way on a on a more regular basis, for sure, than in our early marriage. You know, I used to be home all the time. And it's important to make accommodations for that inside of your relationship, especially in your marriage. And this was something we learned the hard way, that I realized that we kind of had this pattern where if I'd been away, Dan and I, you know, we're kind of distant a little bit or felt distant, you know, we'd communicate by phone and stuff, but that's not the same. And then even once I was back, there was just this kind of feeling of distance there because we'd you know, made our adjustments and kind of were used to not communicating quite as much and that sort of thing. And that would lead to the worst kinds of situations when you're feeling a little bit distant like that. And then you're feeling tired because he was taking on extra commitments at home while I was gone. And I'm tired from travel and my work commitments during that time. And that would always just be a recipe for fighting. (laughs) The worst. I mean, not, not, you know, not terrible fighting, but just our, our worst kinds of petty arguments would just erupt during those times, especially, you know, shortly after I'd get gotten home from a trip. So it took us a long time to realize this. And um, we're still learning it, but we're getting better at it and focusing on each other and focusing on um, bringing ourselves back together and really just focusing on nurturing our relationship during especially during that time when I've just come home from a trip. And one way we do it, it's really nice, actually, is that if if I don't take a car and park it at the airport and Dan has to pick me up at the airport, then before we go home, we spend a little time together. And it's nice to have even just the car ride, but we'll go out to dinner or we'll go get a drink together or, you know, just spend a little bit of time together before we both go home and step back into the crazy that is our household and our family relationships with all the kids. So, you know, those kinds of things, like Focus on your relationships, you know, with your children and especially with your spouse during especially busy times because 
if those are in place, then everything else is going to fall into place. You know, if those are messed up, everything else is going to fall apart and feel messed up. And that's just, that's just life. So um, just to review here, what, what I recommend, first of all, assess your situation. If you're stepping into a busy time, if you find yourself suddenly in a busy time, extra busy time, those busy days, um, you know, that you're going to have to survive together as a family, you know, assess whether or not you can change it. If you have some control over it, if it's worth it to you, make make a conscious choice during that busy time. Then ways to survive are lower your standards ask for help and take care of yourself and your relationships. So I hope you'll consider some of that. And I hope you'll let me know if you have some additional ideas, thoughts, um, tips for surviving your busy days. Don't talk to me about the crock pot. I'm going to do a whole show about the crock pot because <laughs> I have a lot to share about the good, the bad, and the ugly about crock pots. Well, that's just a teaser for another time. But in the meantime, give me your feedback, Danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to hear from you. Hey, girlfriends. Who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. Since we're talking about busy schedules on the podcast this week, I thought I would share this recent conversation that I had with Catherine Whitaker, where she shares about um, a radical way that she handles or has handled in the past her family's busy schedule. And um, I really think what she has to share is inspiring, both on that and many other things related to faith and family living. So I know you're going to really enjoy Catherine. Take a listen. Hey everyone, it's a pretty awesome day here at Girlfriends because the pretty awesome Catherine Whitaker is here with us. Now Catherine, you might know from online, Catherine Whitaker is the married mom of six from teenager to toddler, oh I know that scene, and a fifth generation Texan. She spends most of her days navigating driver's ed, changing diapers, running carpool, and refereeing sibling fights. In her spare time, she blogs at teamwhitaker.org and operates a freelance graphic design business. Her writings and design projects have been featured at Catholic News Agency, USA Today, iHeart Organizing, and Amy Atlas Design. So she's an accomplished woman. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Girlfriends. I am really glad you're here. Hi, it's good to be here. Yeah, and you talk like a Texan, so yay. I'm authentic. <laughs> She's yeah. the real deal, everybody. So thrilled to have you. And um, guys, you got to check out teamwhitaker.org. you got to check out her website. She's just got some beautiful projects to share on there and beautiful photos. And then even just everyday family living that's really encouraging and inspiring. So um, I'm glad you're making the time to be with us, Catherine. As you know... We always ask the same questions, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if I'm going to have to change up these questions in a year or so. I don't know. After maybe after I've done like 40 episodes, I'll switch up the questions. But so far, I'm really enjoying the diverse answers we get. So I'm looking forward to what you have to share. And um, our first question is: Can you tell us, Catherine, about a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you first ever feel a sense of achievement in your work or in your personal life? Well, actually, of all the questions that you gave me, this was the one that I felt was the easiest. So I'm glad it's the first one. Nice. Okay. For um, for our family, I think it was a triumph for me as a mom, but certainly for our family was our fifth son. So our fifth child um, mm-hmm. was born premature. And so that's a whole crazy story. But he started kindergarten this fall. And that day, taking him to kindergarten felt really like a, a mountaintop experience because at one time he had a dozen specialists. He'd had seven surgeries. Oh my gosh. We've had hundreds of physical speech and occupational therapy visits. And so to be able to walk to the kindergarten door at his Catholic school just felt 
it was difficult. And that's probably an understatement. But mm-hmm. to walk in those doors where we really thought, there was a day, Danielle, I'll tell you, that I never thought that kindergarten would ever be a possibility. You know, we weren't sure that he was going to live. And Gosh. he did. And so to make it to that day just felt amazing, really. I think that's really the only way to describe it. I think it, we say it was beautifully hard. And I think we kind of loved him all the way to the kindergarten door. And so that felt like just a lot of God's grace was in that moment. Beautiful. Yeah. And so encouraging because I know that when moms have that experience of a preemie, that it's it's really helpful to have people like you say, you can so get here, you know, that have that sense of triumph that because I know in those in those days, especially postpartum with preemie, I, such a challenging thing. And, and I love that you share about that through your writing. It's such an important topic. Well, it was a dark day, but we made it. <laughs> so yeah. it's possible. It's possible. It, it is. And, you know, that's one of the number one things that I love that some of my guests here and girlfriends have shared. You know, I had an older mom on recently, um, Maria Johnson, just saying like, you know what? Uh, my sense of accomplishment, I actually feel like I actually did it, you know, like this whole mom thing. And to be able to hear that when you're in the trenches of whatever it is, whether it's dealing with a child with special needs or just the everyday living out of your family life, hearing somebody say, yeah, you can do it. And I did look back and I did do it. And, you know, it's messy along the way sometimes, but that's very encouraging, I think, because you, you, you have this temptation to feel like this is forever. And um, Oh, well, it felt like we were in the vortex we were we were never going to escape the vortex and Mm -hmm. so when we did it was it was really beautiful and that and he was with a teacher that we'd had with two of our other children so it was just one of those moments that I thought yes we like we have arrived because I remember the NICU nurse standing next to me and she put her arm around me and she said honey someday when he's in kindergarten you're going to forget all this stuff. And so I will tell you that I did not forget it all, but it certainly made it that much sweeter because we worked really, really hard to get there. Right. Oh, it's beautiful that you remember those words of the nurse that... Oh, they said a lot of great things. So we love them. Yeah. Nick, you nurses are the best. I mean... They are. Beautiful human beings. It takes a special heart to be able to do that kind of work. <laughs> it does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, all right. So we're going to move on to a mistake now. <laughs> We've got the easy one out of the way. Tell <sighs> yeah. us about a mistake you once made and what did you learn from that mistake? Well, there's so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many. When you have six kids, there's so many So many opportunities. For <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I will say, and this one happened about a year and a half ago. And it's probably the one that's most fresh in my mind. I think the lessons that we learned were so great is about a year and a half ago, we really kind of got in over our heads with kids' activities. And I think that's a common thing. I'm not feeling alone in that. I know that a lot of my friends deal with that. But I think because we had five kids who were busy and then we, we had just, we had our sixth baby about a year and a half ago. And I just remember sitting on the living room couch, my husband had gotten home I just fell apart, you know, part of it's postpartum, but mm-hmm. I said, the cruise director is done. Like I need to turn in, I need to, I need to be fired from this job because I'm exhausted. <laughs> like, this is not working. Right. And we just, the society tells us that in order for us to be successful, our, we have to be accomplished. And in order to be accomplished, our kids have to do things. And so I think it was a slow fade. You know, there's that song by Casting Crowns. It mm-hmm. doesn't just happen overnight, but it was this slow accumulation of activities that we'd gotten ourselves into. And so what we did is we actually just 
took the kids out of everything. And when I say everything, we took them out of everything, every sport, every musical thing that they were up to, just all of it. The only thing that was left was altar serving. Wow. <laughs> our boys. And the looks that we got from our friends were part horrified, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that. And very incredulous. And in fact, some of our friends said, oh, I wish we could do that. And I looked at them and I said, you can. Mm-hmm. You can say no. And what it allowed us to do, so we extended that through the summer, really. And then this fall, when we started back up again, we really approached how we do things as a family with purpose. And I don't think that that was a mistake in the fact that we got ourselves to that point. Mm-hmm. But, man, the lesson that we learned and how we operate as a family what we do with our kids and how we do it with purpose was probably one of my greatest lessons as a mom is that we have to do what's right for our family and we have to own it and we're not in competition with anyone else. And that was, we say that, but to experience it, that was a huge thing for our family. Right. And um, I love that you did such a drastic thing because (laughs) (laughs) we had to go cold turkey. Yeah. Sometimes life needs that because, you know, if you're going to pick and choose what you're going to stop and whatnot, but sometimes you need to hit that reset button. And sounds like you guys did that in a very effective way. Um, I think that's encouraging because, you know, a lot of moms, a lot of moms and dads and families are overscheduled and they'll talk about it. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, we're so busy. Everybody's so busy, so busy. And you're right that, you know, your response to your friend saying, you can do it, that sometimes you do need to hear that message that. Well, and we, and we get, and we, we, we get ourselves all worked up like, oh, if we don't enroll uh, Claire in this dance class at age three, I mean, her dance career in college is, (laughs) you know, or or if we don't do select baseball in sixth grade, we might as well just hang out the cleats now, which it's crazy. Like it is, that's just, that's crazy talk. And so we just decided to get off the crazy train and do it our own way. And with a lot of prayer and it's, it's been a beautiful thing. And I think social media certainly in some ways doesn't help that because you see whatever everyone else is doing and Mm -hmm. think maybe we should be doing that too. And we said, no, we're not going to do it anymore. And it's okay. It's okay to say no. Yeah. And how did your kids feel when you pulled them out of everything? You know, interestingly, we were really worried about two of our kids. They're really involved in athletics. They're, they have natural gifts and abilities in athletics. But they actually looked at us a couple weeks, and I was very nervous. And our oldest son, our second oldest son, John Paul, looked at me, and he said, Mom, I'm kind of glad that we're doing that because I was feeling a little stressed. Oh. And just this whole mood in our house, just like the black cloud just kind of lifted and we got to do a lot of things as a family together. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a good thing. Now I'm not, I'm not telling you, I mean, there were a lot of times I'm like, okay, everyone go outside and, you know, kick the ball around and come back in three hours. You know, they needed their time to move around, but they actually took it much better than I think my husband and I initially did. I think in some ways it was harder for us to make the leap than it was for our kids. Yeah. You don't realize, I think sometimes the things that you're doing, like you say you're doing them for your kids and supposedly you're doing them for your kids, but you're the, really doing them for you. Yeah. You're doing it because you feel like this is my obligation as a parent. I'm a yep. terrible parent if my daughter isn't in this pottery class or whatever <laughs> it is. And that's crazy talk. I mean, it is crazy. It, you know, we need to take those, that kind of take a step back, hit that reset button. And that's something we've done in our family lives. We've never done anything as drastic as what you described, but I have definitely felt overloaded and, that's when we take a step back and say, 
is everybody doing, you know, worthwhile things? Because, you know, even if one kid is taking one lesson somewhere, it costs everybody in the family something, you know? Absolutely. It costs their their mom being home. It costs, you know, if they're away at dinner time or whatever it is. So whatever commitments you're taking on, I think it's really important to have family conversations about them. And, you know, I, and you're right about our culture that there's kind of this default, like, Sign them up, sign them up, sign them up, and get them in the more advanced thing all the time without ever pausing and saying, what's our goal here? Yes. Yeah. So, very inspiring mistake, but followed by (laughs) awesome solution. Yeah, Um, it's good. All right, so let's move on to the next question. And um, we've heard some awesome words of advice, mostly from parents. I've noticed a lot of people share from what their parents say. Um, Catherine, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Who gave it to you and how do you try to implement it in your life? I love this question, I have to tell you. So aside from number one being the easiest, this one I thought was the second easiest. So I had a really great teacher in fifth grade. Her name was Miss Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's C-O-Y-L-E. And she said... Okay, because uh, it sounded cool to me. Miss Cool. I'm like, that's cool. Miss Cool. Yeah, Miss Cool. <laughs> um, so she told us as fifth graders that her church to us every day was that we had to learn three new things every day. Mm-hmm. And we would come to school the next day and she would randomly call out someone's name and say, what are the three things that you learned yesterday? Wow. And as I've gotten older, that's something that's stuck with me ever since fifth grade. And mm-hmm. so every day I think, okay, so at the end of the day, I think, okay, what three things did I learn today? And, you know, I think initially, I my mom says, I think when I was in high school one day, she caught me looking through the encyclopedia. That tells you how old I am. But I was looking at <laughs> the encyclopedia and she said, what are you doing? I said, I need my third thing. Like I haven't learned my third thing today. And, but as I've gotten older, I would say those things have become less academic that I've learned and more practical. Like what has motherhood taught me? What has being a wife taught me? Mm -hmm. You know, things like when your kid gets sand in his eye, a turkey baster full of water flushes that bad boy right out. So there are lots of practical things that I've learned as I've gotten older, but it's, I think it instilled in me a real desire to love learning. Yeah. And I'm still friends with her today. She was an amazing teacher and I loved that her goal was to get us to open our eyes and see what the world presented us to learn that day. And I've never forgotten that. I love that because, you know, just having a little assignment like that on a regular basis can retrain the way you approach your life. You know, if if, you're, if you never know when you're going to get called on to say the three things you learned, it kind of makes you newly aware of opportunities for learning. So, Wow. Good job. I I loved her. Yeah. Amazing person. And, you know, and I think, you know, picturing you looking it up in the encyclopedia, (laughs) that's hilarious. You were really taking your job seriously. Yeah. But I I love the idea that, you know, it becomes more about what you're learning in life. And I find as I'm getting older and having more experience in the whole marriage and motherhood thing, that it's really about relationships. It's about what you learn inside of relationships sometimes in painful, messy ways, but always, you know, if I look back on my days and now I'm going to try this say, what did I learn today? That's what it's going to be about. We do a thing in some, some ways we do best and worst at the dinner table every night. So what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? Mm -hmm. So that's always, so I think whenever you really charge yourself with how can I improve myself today by what I learned, Mm -hmm. then, you know, sometimes you learn the hard lessons, right? Um, Of course. And that's how you grow. And so I think that's really what I took from her advice. Certainly as I've gotten older, 
I think I see it in a new way. And it's been advice that has stuck with me for, I won't tell you how old I am, no. but for a long time. I, I have a feeling you're younger than me, so we're just going to leave it at that. Okay. There are no ages on girlfriends. <laughs> we're all just hip and here. cool and 21 forever. So, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing that story about Miss Cool. So, she's inspiring future generations to come and um, even all of us here listening at Girlfriends. So that's a great legacy for her to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got enough time left here to do your lightning round, Catherine. Um, It's where we take 60 seconds and just ask some fun, quick questions, maybe get to know a little bit more about you. So you don't have to think too hard about these. You can just um, relax and um, answer the questions quickly and we'll just move through them. All right. Do you think you're ready? You bet. Okay. All right. Here's Catherine Whitaker's lightning round on girlfriends. Here we go. All right, Catherine, you have one of those amazing, beautiful blogs. Make me feel better. What are you not good at? Oh, making my bed. Nice. Oh, you don't post pictures of it, though. Come on. (laughs) All right. You don't have to. All right. Coffee or tea? Oh, sweet tea. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. And what college class would you most like to take today? College, what one? Which one would I take again? Or would, no, just a new one to take. A new one to take. Um, probably floral design. Ooh, fun! Yeah, you've got that creative aspect. I'm an ag major, so yeah. There you go. All right, describe your perfect date night. Oh man, Aggie football game probably. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and what's the last book you read? And was it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Last book. Um, well, I don't know if it's considered a book, but I'm doing Morning Glory, so Consecration of Mary, actually. I did that last year. Beautiful. Yeah, so I've got a couple more days. It's been, well, clearly, thumbs up. I'm a bad Catholic if I say it's a, um, yes, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I love Father Gately. All right, and that's it. You survived. All right. It was that quick. But yeah, so I love that you shared about Father Gately's book because, um, in fact, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because I love that book. And if you haven't done Morning Glory, it's a beautiful, very practical way to work out a consecration to Mary because, you know, if if you've tried to do the other one, the old-fashioned one that's very difficult but very worthwhile, this is um, refreshingly basic and doable, don't you think? I do. Actually, our rosary group at school was the one that got me going on it. And then my sister-in-law sent me the book. And so it was one of those weird, like, I really have to do this because it just keeps coming at me. And so we've been doing it together, actually. And it's been really affirming. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I I came across it because, um, well, first of all, I got sent it for review, but I never got around to reading it. And, you know, it gets sure. uh, people who get books to review. I mean, they know you get piles of them um, and they're all great, but you don't have the time. And but then when my daughter did it, she like she's she did it last year and she was, you know, 14 and just took it upon herself to join our parish group and do it. And she had this beautiful little ceremony at the end at mass. And I was all teary eyed thinking, OK, I'm learning from my daughter that, you know, you can make time for these things and that it's worthwhile. So what a beautiful example to you. I know my kids, my kids evangelize me every day, honestly. (laughs) Amen. Nothing I'm doing. It's them. (laughs) They're the ones accomplishing spiritual greatness around here. So yeah, great. Well, Catherine, before we have to say goodbye, maybe just share with us, you know, you're involved in so many things from your your family life to your work and whatnot. Um, What's what's something that you're working on now? What is what are you excited about? I knew you were going to ask this. Um, so I'll say two quick things. Um, in early May, 
the over Mother's Day weekend, mm-hmm. I'll be reading aloud one of my writings here in Austin on a show called Listen to Your Mother. Nice. So I'm really I'm really excited and a little nervous. I don't I mean I write, but I don't usually get up and say sure. what I write. So that will be a really fun kind of stepping out of my normal box kind of moment. And I'm really looking forward to that. And then, you know, I've been talking about it for years and finally my husband said, When are you going to write a book? So I figure if I tell Danielle that I'm going to do it, then I have to do it. <laughs> You're making so, the commitment right here. You heard it here I first am, on am. Girlfriends. So, so what's the book going to be? Do you know yet or what? Well, I'm working on that. I think it'll, I mean, it'll obviously be who I am online. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just one and the same and probably touching on a lot of the things that I touch on there. Some of my, how do you survive motherhood kind of posts, you know, I'll yep. probably focus on that faith Aggies have to make a debut in there somewhere so. <laughs> yeah it'll be a little bit of everything oh well we're looking forward to that project and you have committed now it's like yes. you, it's like you've it's announced you're running for the presidency or something <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yes we're gonna yes. hold you to it Thank and I'm um, looking forward to that so maybe we, we got to set up a, a, a check-in with you like next year at this time and see where yes, your progress is do. with your book I think that's great and I love everything that you share at your blog. So people check that out at teamwhitaker.org. I'll link that up in the show notes um, a- along with um, some of the other things that we've talked about here. But Catherine, I want to thank you for the way that you share online. I want to thank you for the, the beautiful work you do and the inspiration that you are just by sharing from your heart about who you are and the very real struggles, challenges, and triumphs of everyday living. I, I really appreciate that about you as a writer. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate that. Means a lot coming from you. And I'm thrilled that you've been here with us on Girlfriends. So thanks for taking the time. It's been a real pleasure. And God bless you in everything that you're doing. You too. Thanks, Danielle. Okay, bye-bye now. And just now listening to that, I am reminded anew to be grateful for my current good health because you can still hear the toll that the flu took on my voice in that interview there. Um, So... I really appreciate Catherine coming on. I hope you enjoyed what she shared. I thought it was really eye-opening, especially since we're talking about family schedules and busy times here on the podcast this week that, you know, hearing from someone who did something as drastic as cancel everything is really, I think, empowering to us as parents that you can so control your schedule. You get to decide how you and your family are going to be spending your time. So in light of that, I want to share this week's challenge. So this week, I want to encourage you, whether this happens to be a busy time of year for you or not, I just want to encourage you this week to take a look at your family's outside commitments, your work commitments, your husband's work commitments, sports or other activities that your kids might be involved in, lessons, even social commitments that you make on a regular basis, and then maybe even together with your husband and your kids, assess your situation, assess your current commitment level and whether or not it makes sense, whether or not it's really worth it and kind of come to a place where you can feel at peace with the decisions you're making and remind yourself that you're the one who gets to control whether or not you're going outside your home and whether or not you're you're committed to these outside things. More often than not, they're optional things. And, you know, the seasons can come and go and we can make adjustments in our family schedule and lifestyle accordingly. So I want to encourage you to do that. That's your challenge this week. And then let me know how it goes for you. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to hear your feedback about anything about the show, anything I share here, but especially about these challenges. You know, if you take on the challenge and uh, you really succeed with it, or if you take on the challenge and you're, 
you're really struggling with it. I'd like to know what your needs and your experiences are so that I can uh, talk more about them here on the podcast in a way that could be helpful to and encouraging to a lot of other people as well. So just remember those three tips that I gave at the beginning of the show, lower your standards, ask for help, and take care of yourself and your relationships. Um, and then tell me how you're applying those to your life. Again, you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can go to daniellebean.com and click that little tab on the right that says leave voice feedback. That's my favorite. A bunch of you did that last time. Nobody did this week. So I am so sad. Make my day. Go to daniellebean.com and click leave voice feedback so that I can make you a part of the show next week. And now we're moving on to our weekly shout out. This week, I heard by email from um, a listener named Renee, Renee LaPlante. She wrote to me, my husband and I have three kids, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-and-a-half-year-old. My two-and-a-half-year-old is such a little monster at mass. <laughs> I know that feeling. Uh, we've tried everything, but he's just impossible to contain in the pew. He tries to run away from us. He throws his toys, and he's getting stronger every day. Maybe this makes me a bad Catholic mom, but this past weekend, I left him with my sister who lives nearby, and then the rest of us had a peaceful Mass for the first time in many months. Do you have any Mass tips to share with a frustrated mom? Well, first of all, Renee, for your email, you are getting a shout out because I know, and I think a lot of people listening know, just how challenging some phases can be trying to keep kids well-behaved in the pews at Mass. In fact, um, you know, your question at the end of your email there inspires me to take on this topic in an upcoming show because I have a lot to share about that. I've done the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to kids at Mass. But first of all, I want to give you this week's shout out because we are proud of you. You are fighting the good fight there in the pew. And I'm also proud of you for coming up with a solution, which sometimes, yes, means leaving the problem child in someone else's care, whether it means switching masses with your husband and going separately for a while or leaving him with your sister sounds like a great solution. So congratulations. And this week's shout out is for you. Way to go. You are my hero. This shout out's for you, girlfriend. So great job, Renee. We're proud of you. You're fighting the good fight. And thank you for sharing your question with me because I really am going to take that up in a future podcast. If others of you have particular experiences or questions or thoughts on handling unruly kids at mass, send them to me and I'll incorporate them in that upcoming show. This week, I don't have any new iTunes reviews to thank people for, so let's make sure we have some for next week, okay? If you appreciate what I do here, um, one way that you can say thank you that's very helpful and valuable to getting the podcast out there to other people is to go to iTunes and subscribe, first of all, click the stars to rate the podcast, and then you can leave a brief review. It really means a lot to me. It's really encouraging to me to hear from people who uh, appreciate the podcast, who make the time for it in their lives. And um, iTunes uses that to rank the podcasts and decide which ones it's going to tell people about, which ones it's going to put in front of new potential listeners. So it's really very helpful if you do that. I really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. The link to the show in iTunes is uh, right there in my podcast show notes that are at daniellebean.com every week. Thanks a lot. And thank you for being here. You're the reason that I produce Girlfriends, and it means so much to me when you take the time to listen and make this podcast part of your week. 
I'm looking forward to chatting with you again next week. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.